Well, I feel totally inadequate to be up here, <laughs> just so you know. And as I do every Sabbath, um, every Sabbath I send a happy Sabbath text to our kids, and I just say, good morning, happy Sabbath, and how's your day, and what you got planned today. And this morning it was, um, I'm speaking today, that's a little scary, and one of the texts that came back was from Seth, and he said, it'll be fine, just remember everything I taught you. <laughs> that's a little scary. <laughs> Our kids teach us a lot. <laughs> About a month ago, Pastor Sai asked me to have today's sermon and um, reminded me that it was International Women's Day of Prayer. And I quickly went online and, and pulled off the information that they had there for me. And I thought, okay, this is no problem. There's a prepared sermon. It's called Building Faith Through Prayer. And great title. And I read through the materials. And I thought, okay, this is, this is doable. And I was gone all last week and came back on late Sunday night. And Monday I took the day off. And I thought, I'll get this all together and realized that it just wasn't what I really felt impressed to talk about. Not that the topic was so bad, um, but it just didn't flow for me. And I think God had another plan, and so I bring you today that other plan. But I came away with a nagging question, and that was, with faith being one of the most important aspects of living a Christian life, what is it? Okay, have you ever thought about what is faith? And we know from our text that we had this morning, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And you've heard that over and over again for the definition of faith. What's the working definition? What's the practical? What's the simple definition that we can actually use in our lives, and that's the question that I grappled with this week. The Bible has hundreds of references to faith, some of which I'm going to put up here today. Um, Romans 1, 7, the just shall live by faith. 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. But where is that simple, personalized definition? And we're going to try to define it for you today. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke 7. And we're going to talk about the story of the faith of the centurion. Luke 7, verse 1. Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered a compertium. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. He's an important man. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble you yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof." Here is the story about a man who is willing to believe that Jesus could heal a loyal and trusted servant who was near death. And he said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. Then the centurion 
used a personal example to illustrate his understanding of Jesus and who he was. For I myself am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. What does all of that mean? Was he meaning, was the centurion uh, bragging about himself? Was he um, trying to tell everybody what a big shot he was, that he was really prestigious? When we read Jesus' response, we may be a little surprised. And Jesus heard these things. He marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Why would Jesus say that? Why would he say that response? Jesus seemed to be saying, it's not that this man, the centurion, was telling everybody what a big shot he was. He was just pointing out the fact that he was taken at his word, and Jesus can be taken at his word as well. That's very simple. So taking Jesus at his word, is that substantiated any place else in the Bible? <clears throat> well, we read earlier Hebrews 11, and let's just look at some of those stories because they're so um, nicely summarized and succinct there. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Noah took Jesus at his word. Never before had there been rain, and so they didn't even understand what that was. And yet there's going to be this big flood. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would receive later as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Again, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God would even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. So each example of this um, is, is simply taking God at his word and obeying his command, and they were remembered for their faith. And so here we have our definition, our simple, workable, practical definition of faith. Faith is taking God at his word. And so now, we, now that we know what faith is, how do we get it? How do we get faith? Another text that I, I want to center the rest of this um, sermon around is Romans ten seventeen. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to a story in Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Matthew 15, 21 through 28 is a story of a Canaanite woman who crept up to Jesus, certain that he could help with a problem that weighed heavily on her heart. And which one of us parents... Um, 
aren't troubled when our children are ill. Her daughter was ill, and not only ill, she was tormented constantly by a demon, and I don't know that we know what that's like. And the mother is ready to do whatever she can in order for her daughter to be healed. This is a story of a desperate mother, a parent in anguish because of her child's suffering. Rather than responding at once, Jesus does not say a word to her. And let's, let's read some more of this. But he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. And he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So not only does he not say a word initially, but then he says, you know, I was sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and she worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. His answer seems harsh and almost kind of rude. I was sent to help the Jews and not the Gentiles. Imagine what you would have done had you been in her place. Often we find it easy to give up when we do not hear the answer we want, and discouragement sets in, and hope evaporates, and the enemy takes advantages of our weakness. But nothing can deter this woman of faith. She faces the disapproval of the disciples, and she courageously pleads with Jesus for help. She is persistent. She believes in his power. Fear does not conquer her faith. Matthew 15, 28 tells the rest of the story. And then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and your daughter was healed and made whole from that very hour. Matthew emphasizes the faith of the Canaanite woman. Jesus calls her great faith. Perhaps we would attach less importance to Jesus' words if he used this phrase frequently, but this woman is unique in two ways. In Matthew's gospel, hers is the only story of the Gentile woman whose faith is rewarded by Jesus. And she is the only person Jesus says has great faith. Compare that with the five times he reminds his own disciples of their little faith, and you can see how special she is. Faith is taking God at his his word. This Canaanite woman took Jesus at his word. Maybe this story is your story. Perhaps you are heavy-hearted because of a sick child, a sick mother, a rebellious teenager, or financial woes. Maybe you are feeling desperate. Maybe you sit here today with an anxious heart. Or perhaps you are sad and worn out with worry, your thoughts in turmoil. God knows your anxious thoughts. He knows exactly what you need, and he is the one who is able to bring you peace, healing, and hope. He has done it in the past, and he is able to do it again. In faith... The woman of Phoenicia flung herself against the barriers that had been piled up between Jew and Gentile, against discouragement regardless of appearances that might have led her to doubt she trusted the Savior's love. It is thus that Christ desires us to trust him. So if faith is a matter of taking God at his word, what does God say about his word? In scripture, what does he say about his word? In Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. First Peter 1, 25, the word of the Lord abides forever. And Isaiah 48, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. These verses are telling me that everything in my life may change. And those of you that, that have lived 
years and more and more years, you know that your life is never what you anticipate it's going to be. And many times it changes, but God's word remains constant. His truth never changes. Um, Are you beginning to catch a glimpse of how faith in God's promises can affect you the rest of your life? There are times when I feel very deeply. At times I am happy, so happy that I think I can never be sad again. And at times I'm sad and think I can never be happy again. And there are still other times when I feel almost nothing. But as strong and as fluctuating as my feelings are, God's word is truer than anything that I feel, truer than anything I experience, truer than any circumstance I will ever ever face, and truer than anything in the world. Why? Because heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will not. This means that no matter how I feel or what I experience, I can choose to depend on the Word of God as unchanging reality of my life. So, let's talk a little bit about faith in action. The Bible records many stories of women of faith. Let's look at one more, and that's Rahab. A woman whose faith is revealed in her actions. Rahab demonstrates her faith by her actions, by trusting her life and the lives of her family to the God of Israel in a single mention of Rahab in the faith chapter of Hebrews 11. The writer doesn't record Rahab's words of faith in God, doesn't record her words at all, rather focuses on the actions that are born out of her faith in God. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites today, Joshua 6.25. And then again in Hebrews. By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab entrusts her life to Israel's God. Rahab shows more faith than had eight of the ten spies 40 years earlier. She knows little about the God of Israel, but she acts on what she knows, and God saves her. In a way, Rahab's experience is similar to that of Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not not seen as yet, moved with fear prepared an ark. Rahab knows that Jehovah is the true God. She fears for herself and her family when she hears about the great wonders he has performed and she receives the spies and pleads for her family's safety. The story of Rahab is one of the most beautiful stories of the Bible. Rahab, a prostitute, believes that the God of Israel is indeed God and acts on that belief. As a result, she chooses to spend her life with the people of God and is saved from certain death. Rahab believes and acts. Her story reminds us that faith leads to action. Our actions reveal what we believe. And not only that, just as exercise strengthens our bodies, actions strengthen our faith. Faith not only inspires actions, it comforts. Imagine receiving a phone call every parent dreads, informing you all of your children that all of your children are dead. The next day you learn that your savings account is wiped out, And the following day, a tremendous storm destroys your farm. As you are reeling from these tragedies, you break out in painful sores. Would your faith be strong enough to endure this agony? This is one of the oldest stories in recorded history and the treatment and and the topic of pain and suffering. 
For centuries, people have turned for solace to the story of Job, a wealthy and respected leader from the land of Uz. The story is familiar. Job suffers a series of disasters. His ten children, wealth, property, servants, and cattle are all swept away one after the other and added to the deep emotional pain. Intense physical pain suddenly develops. When his friends come to visit, they tell him these calamities are God's punishment for some sin he has unknowingly committed. But Job's faith in God never wavers, never doubting God. Job utters these magnificent words, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Job responds to his suffering with great faith. His story and his response leaves us with a very important question. How will each of us respond when our worlds fall apart? Will you choose faith? Will you choose to take God at his word? It is important to recognize that having strong faith in the midst of suffering will not eliminate the pain. I want to say that again. It's important to recognize that having strong faith in the midst of suffering will not eliminate the pain. Job was nearly crushed by his pain, and he expressed his pain. When he heard that his children had died, he tears his robe, shaves his head, and falls to the ground in grief. And yet, in the midst of pain and heartache, Job makes some of the greatest declarations of faith ever heard. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised, Job 1.21. He raises a profound question. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? How is it that a person can have such great faith and still feel such great pain? Yet when we think carefully about this and remember, and perhaps remember our own experience, how could it be any other way? Holding fast to faith in the midst of suffering means we believe that God is in control. Faith is taking God at his word. He's still in control. Though he doesn't know it, Job is on his way to the most intimate encounter with God that he will ever experience in his life. Through his season of suffering, he is starting a short journey that will lead to an understanding of who God is. The road of suffering is the only road that will lead him to a more intimate encounter with him. We are reminded of a beautiful passage in Patriarchs and Prophets, the very trials that task our faith most severely and make it seem that God has forsaken us are to lead us closer to Christ, that we may lay all our burdens at his feet and experience the peace that he will give us in exchange. We do not build faith when everything is calm and life is easy. When we have good health, our children are well-behaved, making good grades, our boss praises our work, our relatives are kind, and we have enough income to enjoy a few luxuries, no, that is not the time when faith is revealed. It's during this time of great suffering, loss of all his children, his wealth, and even his job, Job displays unwavering faith. We must be partakers with Christ of his sufferings if we would sit down and triumph with him on his throne so long as we choose the easy path of self-indulgence and are frightened at self-denial. Our faith will never become firm, and we cannot know the peace of Jesus nor the joy that comes through conscious victory. One last aspect of faith that we haven't touched on yet is the importance of faith and prayer. Praying is another way to show faith in action. And I want to thank everybody that came out this morning for our, our prayer time that we started at 8.30. I was immensely blessed. It was, it was a very special time. The prayer of faith... James 5.13 
through 16 talks about the prayer of faith. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. When we pray, we give God the permission to work in our lives. Seeing Him work in our lives strengthens our faith. So, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the Word of God. The Word of God creates faith in us. No human word can do that. It is only God's Word that can do this. Hearing and listening to God's Word creates in us the faith, the ability to put our trust in Jesus, to take Him at His Word in all situations and in all circumstances. So, what have we learned today? Here's our lessons. Faith is taking God at His Word. Faith is strengthened when things are not always easy. Just like when we are active in exercise, we become stronger during trials our faith is put into action. We exercise it, and it becomes stronger. And we put our faith in action when we pray. Prayer is another way of putting our faith in action. This faith, this conviction, created by the Word of God, is strong, so strong that it does not even let offense get in the way of focusing on Jesus and what he can do. This faith will remain focused on Jesus regardless of the situation, regardless of external pressures, regardless of what others say and do, regardless of how I feel at the moment. Such faith, created by a personal relationship with Jesus, stands firm and strong, especially during those times of trial. God bless you as you exercise your faith.